week, Matt said and said, um, do, you have a, do you have a title for your sermon? And uh, the passages you'll see tonight, uh, when you research it, like everybody uses the same title, Ask, uh, Seek, and Knock. And uh, so I was kind of in a weird mood, and um, I'm, a very, I'm a really big Seinfeld fan. Anybody else in here like Seinfeld? And there's this clip where, uh, and let me know if like, you know the clip I'm talking about, because yeah. like, I really am a big fan of Seinfeld, and so like, we can uh, quote each other some other time. But um, Elaine picks up this like, really, um, she's working for like, a publishing company, and she picks up this really important author. And they're in the car, this limo with her, the author that's from Russia, and then like her boss, and they're on the way because he's going to give a talk. And before they get in the car, she's with Jerry, and Jerry makes a joke that Tolstoy, who like is this guy's like was his this guy's mentor or something like that, um, like Tolstoy wrote War and Peace, and his wife helped him write a lot, write a lot of it. And Jerry said. You know, the working title of War and Peace was actually War, What Is It Good For? <laughs> and, uh, and so then Elaine's in the limo, and like, they're trying to put on a show for this guy and be super impressive. And, um, and so then she starts to like, you know, kind of talk it up with him. And then you know, she's like, by the way, Tolstoy, you know, his wife helped him come up with the title for the book, the working title, which was War, what is it good for? Uh, and she's like, absolutely nothing. And, uh, and you guys know that song, right, in the 70s? Yes? All right. So then Karen wrote me this text, and it was like, by the way, the, the guy in the car is like, Elaine, what are you doing? No, this is, you know. And then, anyways. So then Karen wrote me, and it's like, you have a working title? And for some reason, that pops into my head. And so um, it's prayer. What is it good for? Absolutely everything, right? So uh, if you do like Seinfeld, let's uh, chat later. Or like, can we do that on a Friendship Friday? Just watch Seinfeld all night? Anyways. Um, so we're going through a series right now on the Sermon on the Mount, right? And um, Jesus is basically, this is, this is the, um, Jesus is doing a lot of things through the Sermon on the Mount. And he's kind of laying the groundwork for the future of the church, for discipleship. He's also... Um, basically standing up in history and saying, I, I, I'm God. I, I am the Messiah. I am the fulfillment of the law. And he, he's talking primarily to the Jewish culture. And they have these laws that are written. Um, whose wallet is this? Okay, I, I just don't want you to lose it. But, um, <laughs> he's talking to the, you know, primarily to the Jewish culture and thousands of people, and he's setting forth, like, he's kind of turning things upside down, right? We've talked about it, like, turn the other cheek. What does that mean? Like, we think it means, like, let somebody beat up on me, but as you learned a couple weeks ago, it's really like, I'm going to let you hit me to show you that I have, through Christ, uh, really more power than, than you do. I take away your power. And in the sermon, Jesus fulfills and reinterprets some of the Old Testament, and he fulfills the law, right? He, it's not, um, and this is important to know, it's not uh, contradictory to the Old Testament, right? It's the completion of it, and that is who Jesus is. And uh, these interpretations and, uh, of the law and the prophets, um, th- through this process, he, he's really, like I said, saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior, um, and as we see, as, as we continue on in his, in, his, in his life, like, you know, people start to say, well, who do you say you are? You know, and, and at the time, they thought he was a prophet, right? Like, he's saying all these wonderful things that other human beings aren't saying, and their minds couldn't comprehend that he was actually there um, for them. And, and, so, and so that's where we're at, right? We're in the Sermon on the Mount. That's where we've been at. And it's, what's interesting is, and I'm going to kind of address this later, but really what Joey was talking about last week and what I'm talking about this week, it's almost 
even this, these two sections, you, you almost need to read them in reverse. It makes more sense, I think, to us as I was studying this to read them in reverse, but I'll, uh, I'll bring that up later. Let me, let me read the passage. We're in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11. If you have your phones um, or Bibles, anybody got a Bible? Word, word. Holler at your boys. You see a Bible in church. All right. Everybody there? I'm waiting. It's important. We're all in this together. All right, Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the doors will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to him who asks, to those who ask him? Uh, powerful stuff, right? I mean, it's just like, okay, there's a lot there. And, and, um, and I'm going to kind of go backwards with this. And so um, if we're going to understand what prayer is and the importance of prayer, we need to begin with what or who are we praying to, right? Um, and let me, let me read Psalm 33, 4 to, to verse 9, just to kind of set, um, it does a lot better job of, I mean, there's, there's, words can't describe what God is, but this is kind of one of the best verses I found to just kind of give us a, a, a starting point. Psalm uh, 33, 4 to 9. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. This should ring a bell from last week. He loves justice and righteousness. Actually says he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of a steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. <clears throat> and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters out of the sea as the heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let's all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants stand in the world, stand in awe of him. So I want to look at God, but I want to look at one. There, there are, I mean, <clears throat> I do have some, but if someone's good, more is better. Um, I'm just going to hold it. So let's focus our attention on God for a while, okay? Because um, what are we going to, yeah, like what, why pray or what? I mean, <clears throat> we, we probably need a better understanding of who God is to, to better inform us on how to pray and what to pray and to pray. So we know several things about God. We know God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He does whatever he wants. There's not an equal force in the universe that can put its weight on God. God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He is all-knowing, right? I mean, I think we hear these, and th these kind of words, and we're like, I sort of get it. I don't really get it. I'm going to act like I get it, and we're going to move on. Um, and I think part of that is the point, right? But we'll get into that a little bit later, too. There's nothing that he does not know. There's nothing that he doesn't know. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. The attribute I want to talk about tonight, though, is the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Sometimes I don't think we pay enough attention to it, or sometimes I think we sort of, um, we have a skewed view of God. And I know I've done that before. And we take for granted, and our human mind limits our understanding because that's our sinful nature. And we want to compartmentalize. We want to say, if I want to learn to understand, then I need to break it down. And you can't do that with God. 
But God by nature is inherently good. Psalm 34, 8 tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one, blessed is you, blessed is you who takes refuge in him. Psalm 33, 34, I'm sorry, 8. He is a foundation of goodness and of everything good. Think about that, right? He's the foundation of everything that's good. Think of something that's good. Give, give me an example of something that's good. Puppies. Yeah, I mean, that's weird that you say that to me because, um, you know, um, I, won't, I won't get off on that. I, I love puppies, but... <laughs> Okay, I will. Let me just explain. When I was a kid, my brother begged my dad for a dog. <coughs> begged, begged, like, my dad's like, fine. In Ecuador, you can have an outside dog, too. Not a problem. Like, the climate's perfect. And so we bought a purebred German Shepherd. We didn't train him, which was another mistake. And, and my dad was like, promise me that you're going to clean up the poop. He's like, Dad, I promise. I'll do it every Saturday. Okay. My memory is that I cleaned up all the poop. Okay. And then I, I got so angry with it, I'm really going off on a diatribe here, that like instead of digging a hole and putting it in there and covering up what you're supposed to do, I would flip it over the wall. And then my dad would like find it and he's like, no, you gotta do it over. Anyways, so I love puppies. Also, puppies, they always find me and they always lick on me and I don't like to be licked. I mean, you know, anyways. But yes, animals, right? They're good. They comfort you. They provide food. They, I mean, like, there's nothing, there's nothing that's different kind of animals, right? But everything, every single thing, like, you can't think of anything that's good that doesn't come from God. Here's the other thing. He didn't obtain it from another source. Right, God was, is, and will always be. God was, I mean, there's no time with God. You see, people can have good traits, and people can do good things, but goodness is not really in our character. Our goodness comes from God. We're made in the image of God, and, uh, but we're prone to evil, right? We, we sin, we step into that. And I think if we're honest with each other, Making a choice for good is a lot harder than, than choosing to be sinful. I mean, th that's sinful nature. The goodness of God is evident in all his creations and his accomplishments. Genesis 131 says, God saw all that he had made. And what did he say? It was good. We can't earn it and we don't deserve it. His goodness. It's, it's available to us regardless of my situation in life. Matthew 5.45 says, He causes his son to rise in the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Because he's good. He's good. And I think like, <clears throat> I think a lot of times, um, and like, this is kind of my thought this, this week is like, I see God a lot of times as like a quasi Santa Claus disciplinarian, um, like kind of like a micromanaging boss, but then also kind of the boss that doesn't, you know, like it, I was trying to be like really honest and say, and think like, what are the ways that I've viewed God incorrectly throughout my life? You know, and a lot of times it depends on my situation. Um, but God's goodness isn't dependent on you and I. That's what makes it good. Um, that's not what makes it good, but that helps to attribute his goodness to him. Here's, here's, here's a huge component. The goodness of God is the core of our relationship with Jesus. It's because of his desire for our good that he provided salvation through his son. Here's something that I, should blow your mind, and I think if you let it sink in, it should, and it's that everything that God does is for our good. 
But we were made to worship God. We were made in the image of God to worship God for his goodness. God's goodness is all around us. It provides for us. From crops that provide our food to the very air that we breathe, the water that we drink, that I drink. If there's any goodness in me, it comes from God. Some verses on God's goodness that I came across. <coughs> Excuse me. Chronicles, First Chronicles 16.34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercies endures forever. Mark 10.18. This was like, this was hard for me to, I mean, I'll be honest, this is hard for me to read, but it's, it's in there. No one is good but the one that is God. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Psalm 27, 13. We already read this one. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Here's one that I think we should probably all write down or memorize. It's in Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. So my words will fail me, right? Like, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture of, of God's goodness, and it's just, it's, it's out there. But... This is why we pray. When you come into church tonight, you can come in for a lot of different reasons. But something that's baked into the reason you came into church tonight is humility. Right? Now you may come because you're interested in your girl and you, like, you may have ulterior motives, <coughs> whatever they are. Part of the reason you're here is because you acknowledge somewhere in your soul that there's someone more powerful than you. There's someone that is more loving than you. There's someone that wants to take your burdens from you or to have you cast them onto him. Same thing when you go to church on Sunday. That's that's the reason why a community like this is important because we're all sinners. And, I mean, I remember Joey standing here last week Right, and instead of me trying to deal with your conflict or your issues, like let's go to the cross, um, and that's what a community like this does, or what a church does. It says, "I don't have it figured out. You don't have it figured out. Why don't we get together in something called church or the edge and go do it together? Go pursue Jesus together." <coughs> Excuse me. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Jesus is kind of saying like, like, get after it. Get after me. Um, I, the best story I thought of in my head about this was like my kids. Um, like one's kind of a little bit too old for this now and the one's about to get into this age where like, they start just calling for you. Dad, Dad, where are you? Dad. And, like, you're in the back room or whatever. You can hear them, but not enough to have a car. Dad. You know, and so they're, they're asking for you, right? And you don't answer. So then what? They start looking for you. They're seeking you out. Right? Where's Dad? And you hear them, like, going through stuff or whatever. And <coughs> you're like, man, what, what is going on down there? You know, and then they're knocking on doors. And where's Dad? Is Dad in here? You know, no. And they're like, Dad, oh, finally, what have you been doing? And like, I don't know, he's going to the bathroom. You know, and then, and then they'll be like, Dad, like, like it itches right here. <laughs> you know? And at first I thought that was funny, but then I was like, God wants to hear that from us. Right? And I think a lot of times we try and manage what, what I can handle and what God can handle. Right? Whether it's our sin, Right? Or whether it's 
the good things that come to us in this life. Our pride. Now, um, the Jewish culture was used to praying. Um, prayed several times a day. Um, and so this verse, you know, it, it says a lot of things to a lot of different people, but in the context, he was talking to them. He knew the importance of prayer, but he also knew that they were praying a lot. And there's other verses in the New Testament where Jesus talks about praying by yourself in a closet. Don't do it in front of other people. Um, and uh, you could read these verses and you could take them out of context too. And sadly, there's a lot of prosperity gospel out there that does that. You know, I grew up in Latin America, as you guys know, and it's horrible down there. You know, preachers telling people that ask God for whatever you have. And, oh, you didn't get it? There must be some sin in your life or, or you're outside of God's will or just lies. And, uh, but there's another part that kind of hit me too. And I think this is kind of more of where I've been at. And I had to confess this. This week, you could read these verses and it sort of feels like Jesus is talking to like the super Christians. Like this is for Billy Graham. Billy Graham, dude, ask, man, I'll hook you up. You know, let's go. And oh, I'd love to. I'd love. I'd love to be in that zone with Jesus, where I could just be like Jesus. Uh, I think the best thing for my family would be to go to Hawaii, you know, or whatever. Um, and and I think it was a subconscious thing that Jesus brought out of my heart this week. That like I think you see me like this. It was convicting because I'm trying to manage who God is. I'm not seeing God as good, right? And if you look at the next couple verses, God is incapable of giving us something that's not good. Right? If, 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 if your kid asks for bread and you give him a stone, you know, and I was, I was talking to Joy, he was kind of, we were talking, talking about this, this week, and I've done that before to my kids. You know, and like, it sounds horrible, and I know you're just getting ready to throw rocks at me, but like, you know, oh, you want, you know, you want a cookie? Like, you know, deal with this first, or, you know, oh, try this, here's a cookie. Oh, a cookie? Like, they don't know, you know? Or sometimes they do, and it's like, man, you feel like, I don't know. But God is good. God, God doesn't do that. And I think, like, <coughs> we spend a lot of time in our Christian life wondering, am I in God's will? What is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Does God want me to work here or work here? Does God want me to go overseas or stay? Does God want me to get a master's degree? Does God want me to, right? And I'm like, how do we know we're in God's will? How do we know? How do we know? And I really think, like, and I struggled with this for a long time. And, and I'd ask people, and I'd study it, and it really just didn't provide any more clarity. And really what I think is that, like, I think God's will is, is really simple. I think it's love others and love God. And how do you love others, or how do you love God? Like, how do I love God? God, come here. You know, like, what are you doing? And I think the answer to that is by loving others. And uh, and so I was going to tell you that, like, I think the, the section that Joey talked about and then this section, I think if you read it backwards, it makes more sense. I think God is saying, look, I am good, and I want you to be in my will. <clears throat> and the best way to stay in my will is to pray, right? Because prayer... is that act of humility, right? It takes away my desire to manage my life. It takes away my desire to manage my sin. It takes away, I'm, it's an act of humility, God. You're greater than I am. 
and, and, and boom, and lay it out there. If, I, if, I, if my daily life consists of a lot of prayers, some of the things that seem important to me aren't. Right? Some of my idols get smaller and smaller because I'm in this line, in this thing with Jesus where it's like, I pray into that. I pray into that. And I'm not great at it. Um, one thing that struck me this week too is that I'm reading this um, the Bible the, the, like the Bible but it's a like comic book version have you guys seen this like for kids and so I'm reading it with my son my seven year old and we're in the Old Testament and it's like God raises up a king and he's good and then he turns his back and he you know <coughs> and God lets him get defeated and then he raises up another king and it's this thing like this and this week it struck me that's exactly how my Christian life is. When I turn my back on God and I try and do my own thing, it's like, down. You know? And then when I come back or when I confess those things and I say, God, like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take over. It's not that things necessarily go better for me, but I have the peace. I have more of a peace in my life the peace only Jesus can provide. And so I want to get better at ask, seeking, and knocking. I want to humble myself. Um, I want to tell you a story that a couple years ago, well, so in 2012, my son was born, uh, Leah, my oldest, seven years old, and it was really, we were, he was born in Ecuador. And it was a really traumatic birth for my wife. She, um, like, we found this doctor because in Latin America right now, more than 50% are doing C-sections. And we wanted to do natural birth, and this guy was really pro-natural birth, according to his, like, reputation. And so we found this doctor, and, you know, so we got pregnant, and he was our doctor. And then, like, a month before, or no, I think it was, like, two weeks before uh, Elias was born. He's like, your kid has a huge head. There's no way he's coming out. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, it's kind of funny because in Spanish, it's like, do we hold some cabezón? Which can be like an insult, too. And so I was kind of like, oh, that's funny. Even my wife was like, no. Like, she's devastated. And, uh, but we're excited. So we're, we're getting ready to have a baby. And so we get there, and he's like, come back in a week, you know, and if you haven't given birth, then we'll set the, set the C-section date for the next day. So we come back, and we go in, and so um, she doesn't speak very good Spanish, and I do, and this is all in Spanish. And, uh, <clears throat> but they're like, all right, we're going to get you ready. They wheel her back, and they leave me out in the waiting room. And uh, so they're getting ready, no problem. And... Uh, so they get her all ready, and then they bring me in or whatever. But by this time, they'd already tried to give her her um, epidural. And so I come in, and they wait the, the normal time, and they start to cut. And she's like, ah, oh, I can feel that. I'm like, what? She's like, ah, oh, I can feel that. And so then, like, okay, wait, we got to wait. And so they're like, oh, it didn't work. So they give her more, right? So they lift her up. She's kind of half cut open. They lift her up. And I'm like, whoa, you know. Um, and uh, basically, like, so finally it kicks in. And the baby comes out of Leah's. <clears throat> and then what you do is I go with the pediatrician into the other room. And I get to take a bath with him. And, like, meet him and hang out with him. And they count his fingers. They count his toes. And uh, meanwhile, because they'd given my wife too much pain medicine, it's starting to uh, climb up her body, and if it gets like past all the way of your lungs, your lungs don't work and you can suffocate. And so she's in there, and they don't speak Spanish, and she can start to feel this. She's like, ah, oh, you know, and uh, so she's praying, and like, and finally, like, it kind of subsides. But 
a lot of pain, tons of pain. The, the, the recovery is horrible. <coughs> um, and then, like, just some other things happened, made kind of the whole thing just a really hard time for my wife and, by extension, me. And so she didn't want to get pregnant for a while. And uh, so we're waiting, we're waiting. We moved to Texas, and she's like, I'm ready. And, and so, I'm, you know, we're excited. And so we get pregnant again. And Amos is born on July 1st, 2016 and at Memorial Hermann. And we, um, we, like, it's normal birth and everything. And there's a few things that kind of are weird, like they come in and they test this hearing and they're like, it didn't work. Like, I don't, we'll have to come out tomorrow and try again. Like, like basically, like, he, he, didn't, he didn't pass the test. We're going to come back tomorrow and see. We usually do it two days in a row. And we're like, what? And, uh, and then he had really bad jaundice. And so, you know, they got us ready to check out of the hotel or the hospital. But the next day, you always go and see your pediatrician, I guess. And so we went and saw him, and he's like, oh, it's jaundice, and like get him in the, not in the sun, but like, you know, get him by windows, and, and it wouldn't go away. And so like the third day, he's, we went back, and uh, actually this is July 5th, because the 4th it was closed. Um, I actually don't know what day it was. And he's like, you know, I think this could be a, an issue with his um, adrenal gland. I need you to go see an endocrinologist like ASAP, but uh, there's a brand new endocrinologist in the woodlands. Just open up a thing. I'll make an introduction, and you guys can go tomorrow. Which was he's like. Otherwise, you have to drive downtown. And we're like, oh my goodness. They're like, what is an endocrinologist? And basically, they went. They did a lot of tests, and they retested them. <coughs> and what they said was is that he had um, some issues with. His pituitary gland might be too small, um, and that he would he would he had adrenal insufficiency, and they said basically what that means is that you can't be more than ten minutes from a hospital for the rest of his life, and then we're going to give you these shots that you have to take, like if he starts to kind of like get real lethargic, you got to give him this shot and get him to, to the hospital within ten minutes, um, and we're like oh my goodness. What? And like, and they test him twice. And they're like, you know, we don't, he's too young to do like a CT scan. So usually we see this, his pituitary gland's too small. He's not going to grow right. Um, and we were just like in shock. And we'd moved to, you know, we'd moved to this area to become missionaries, to kind of go through the training program with the church and get sent out as missionaries. And um, you know, part of the re part of it too was to grow our family a little bit, and into really through adoption, and you know, and like we said, uh, like we decided to have a, a baby, and 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 just like I had four months of paid time off from my job is amazing, so I'm like I'm super excited to like not sleep for four months, and then <laughs> like we get this news, and um, like. Just, I mean, I can still remember. It's just like you're in shock. You know, I never heard of this before. You know, and they're like, a lot of hospitals aren't familiar with it. Like, you're going to have to know everything to say to them so that they know what to do. And um, like, oh, my goodness. And so, you know, went home and called our families. It was like, here's the situation. And just a lot of crying, a lot of tears. And, and really, like, spiritually, it just drove us to our knees and said, God, like, we need you to intervene. And it brought our marriage closer together. Um, it was actually a really neat experience. This sounds crazy to, uh, to, to, to go through this, like, to be able to, you know, like, the fact that my job gave me four months off to be able to go through this together on this, this journey was incredible. And, and we started bringing them to the elders here at church Wednesday nights at 6.30, and just started praying. Just God, heal our son. Like, we don't know what's going on. We don't know, like, nobody knows what this is, you know. Um, and, like, he'd get, I mean, 
you know, a couple months into it, he'd get like a little fever. And you're like, you can't get above a certain thing or you got to go. Or like if he gets a cold, you got to be on high alert or, you know. And it just changed our life. Brought it to God through the elders. And I remember like trying to explain it to, some, to, to an elder and he didn't understand, but it didn't matter because God understood, right? And we prayed and then um, we, we had to wait, I think three or five months to get a uh, CT scan, I think, of his brain to see. Um, and she's like, look, I've ruled, so the endocrinologist is like, I ruled all this stuff out. And I think when we see the CT scan, we'll see that he has a small, too small of a pituitary gland, you know, then we'll better be able to kind of service his needs and, and whatever. And so a couple weeks later, she calls and she's like, look, I talked to this other doctor. We think we can do it at like two and a half months. So if you guys want to do it, come in next week and we'll do it. And like, sounds good. And uh, we go in and only one of us can go in. And because you kind of have to hold them so they can't move or whatever. And so naturally, Lindsay went in and I was waiting in the lobby. And, but before all this happened, I brought it to my small group too. I, you know, and we're kind of new to the small group, didn't know a lot of these people. And one of the guys, I'll never forget, uh, completely blew my mind and changed, changed a lot of the way I think about things. He was like, look, God's going to put you in a lot of hospital rooms and you're going to be in front of a lot of people that you wouldn't have been into before and you can bring the gospel to through this experience. I was like, oh, wow. You know, like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm sorry, or let me know if you need anything. It was like truth right to my soul. And uh, so anyways, you go in, you get the CT scan, drive home, we're waiting, and then they call up the results, and they're like, it looks normal. She's like, I've never seen this before. This looks, I, I can't explain it. It looks normal. And so she's like, I think what it is then is there's like a disconnect between his pituitary gland and his thyroid. And, you know, we'll have to test him again when he's three. Like, we're going to put him on thyroid medicine and test him again when he's three or whatever. And this whole time, we'd never seen, like, he acted like a normal kid. Um, we believe God healed my son through prayer. And... It's humbling. Like when Javier was up here, um, you know, two weeks ago, a lot of those feelings came back where it's like, I don't deserve this. You know, I don't, I don't deserve this. Um, it's, it, it's because of God's goodness. It's because of God's goodness that, that he decided that, you know, that my son can, is not going to have to go to the emergency room. And I remember, like, there was... This one really stressful time, we, uh, he had like RSV, which is really bad for kids. Like it's just a cold, but like for kids, it could kill them. And we brought him to the uh, emergency room. And they sit us down and like the, the room's full of like, I think somebody had chicken pox or something and like, like just full of all these diseases. And we're like, oh my goodness, like he, I can't. And so we asked like, hey, can we go sit in another room? Like we can't be out here, you know? And um, just really stressful time, but like, as I think about it now, it's just amazing. I'm just amazed at God's goodness. I can't say it any other way. Um, yeah, and so that's why we pray. That's why we pray, because we humble ourselves. We get ourselves aligned with God's goodness. Here's the thing. I think tonight probably our hearts are saying, yes, this makes sense. You know, but then we head out and we start to doubt. We start to question. We start to get back into that hot, cold relationship. This community, the edge, our relationships in here, our friendships in here, 
at the end of the day, are only as strong as our willingness to pray for each other. Not just on Thursdays. And I'm guilty of that. But every day of the week. We have seen God move just in the last few weeks. We know people need jobs. We know people need all sorts of things. Financial help. We know that people are lonely. People need community. We know that there's brothers and sisters in here that are fighting with addictions and ultimately just a crisis of identity. What makes our relationships turn into a strong community for Jesus? Yes, it's personalities. Yes, it's our contest. It's our proximity. It's our similarities. But I'd argue that the strength of our community over the long haul depends not on those things, but on prayer and the grace of Jesus. Personalities change, context change, people move away. People move to Finland or to Norway, you know. <laughs> but you can still pray. You can still ask God to intervene in someone else's life or in your life. <coughs> and remember, it's an act of humility. So if you're, if you're like, man, God doesn't want to deal with my stuff. Or even if you're like, God, I really, 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 at the end of the day, want to work on this sin. Will you show me a way to do it? Let's not forget that prayer is a powerful act of love. In times when we feel stretched thin, or we feel incapable of helping our friends physically or this community physically, we can always pray for them. How can I pray for you? We're sinners. We're side by side. We're right here. And we got to go to the cross. We need a Savior. Because God is good. What does a praying community look like? You know, I don't know, and I don't pretend to know its full potential. Um, but here's a couple things that I thought of maybe we could try and put into practice. Maybe schedule intentional prayer time. You know, Mondays, whatever. God, put somebody on your heart and say, put it in your phone. You know, when my alarm goes off Friday at 3 o'clock, I'm going to pray for X, Y, Z. Leverage technology. iPhones are bad. Tablets are bad. No, use them. Use them for God's good. Right? Put the Bible app on there. Put reminders on there to pray for each other. Don't wait. Pray right now. I'm guilty of this sometimes. And sometimes I'm not. It's one of the things I like about prayer. It's like, man, I'm thinking about that guy. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to pray for him. I mean, case in point. You can write somebody a prayer. Facebook message, instead of sending them a meme, maybe send them a, you know, hey, I'm praying for you. Or what can I pray for you? How about this? Also choose a day to pray for the edge as a community. Choose a time to intercede on behalf of your friends in here. And you know what? You don't even have to know them. Like, man, Javier got up and he spoke, and I just want to pray for peace for him going forward that he doesn't live in fear that he's going to get cancer again, you know, or whatever it is. Pray scripture. You ever read Psalms? We read a couple Psalms tonight. And it's just like some dude... Not some dude, but like, you know, some dude just pouring out his heart to God. My, my prayers don't sound like that. I mean, I don't think God's keeping score, 
you know, but pray scripture over somebody. You know, there's, I didn't have it written down in here, but there's a, a verse, I don't know where it is, uh, but it's in the Bible, and it talks about how the Holy Spirit interprets the grumblings of our heart for God. You don't even have to know the words. You can just be frustrated. I, I have a friend right now in California that used to be my boss that I've been talking to a little bit, and he's trying to find a job after being a pastor, my boss in Ecuador for 30 years, and he's frustrated, he's angry, he's hurt. You know, I don't, I don't know what to say to him. You know, and, and I'm angry that no one will give him a chance. I mean, I don't know if that's justified either, but um, just grumble. Maybe, yeah, never mind. I was going to say, maybe those people that are walking down the street grumbling that we think are crazy, maybe they're just like praying for you. I don't know. <laughs> hey, pray for your top five. Who's got a top five? Who's praying for their friends that aren't Christians? We want to see the kingdom of God grow, yes? That's God's will. God's kingdom is here now. Be thankful in your prayer. Sometimes you just, man, God. I mean, it's funny because when I got married, my father-in-law is a pastor. And, uh, <laughs> and so, like, you know, his, his wife is, like, it's really, like, Amazing cook and would put on huge meals every night and and uh, and we'd all sit down at the table and he'd be like, "Thank you, Jesus," and then we'd start eating. I was like, "What is that?" You know. And so at first it bothered me, but then after a while I was like, "Man, I, like I know this guy and I know that's coming from this heart." You know, just just be thankful. You know, and that's how you would talk to Jesus. I think he was here. Hey, thanks for. Thanks for paying for dinner or whatever. Um, I'm I'm finished, but I want to. Um, someone's going to come up and share a story of uh, the power of prayer, but really like a testament to uh, God's goodness. Um, so, Cam, if you'd come up. Hello. So uh, I'm going to give you guys just like a quick story about uh, what's been going on for the past couple of weeks and something that you guys were actually, for the most part, I, I don't really know who was, so for the most part, in my mind, you guys were all involved in it. Um, so let me, let, me, let me go back to uh, um, so, some internal damage that had existed for a little while. So when I was a kid... My mom was taken from me. Um, she had a this surgery that she they didn't quite close her up properly, and a couple years later, she her stomach broke back open, and she just kind of bled out. And and it's okay, it's okay. Like I, I'm I'm okay right now. But because of this, there was this fear that was kind of put into my heart of like. A, it's, it sounds a little silly, but a fear of medicine, like the modern medicine world and doctors and hospitals and anything that's like related to that. I've been scared of it since I was a little kid. I was about five years old, I think, five or six. Um, and, and that's as far back as I remember is like that event. So like it's for me, like it's been my whole life, my whole life that I've had this fear. Um, flashing back forward to... What year is it now? 2015. Um, it's not 2015. Going back to 2015. I know. Um, going back to 2015, um, I played football in high school, and I wore some shoes that were, like, pointed on the toes, and they were very, very uncomfortable, but I, I couldn't really afford other shoes, so I just, I just made them work. Um, it led to my toenail on my big toe becoming ingrown and like causing infection and uh, pain. And I, I went about half a year after it started, about six months after it started, it, it's, it was starting to get really swelled up or swole up, I don't know what the proper term is. Uh, it was starting to get really bad and it was hurting really bad. Every step was like extremely, extremely painful. And 
I, I just, I couldn't handle it anymore. And so I went to the doctor, my insurance paid for it, and they did this whole procedure and gave me some medicine to take and it didn't fix the problem. And I, it was already like really, really scary for me to go there in the first place, but like my parents were like, you need to go, like this, this, is, this is the wise decision, you need to go, you have to go. And so I went and it wasn't fixed. And that fear just kind of grew and it like, um, so uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. So um, a couple months after that, I, I, I was like, okay, it's not getting any better. It's starting to hurt like more than it had before. So I, I tried to find out like, and I had been praying at this point for like every single day, like, Jesus, I just need you to heal this. I just need you to heal this. And... Um, it didn't happen, and so I just, I kept waiting, and I kept praying, and I kept asking the same thing every day, Jesus, I need you to heal this. I kept, I tried, if you can think of a method to help with infection, I promise you I have tried it. I've tried, I'm not even going to list them, because there's a lot. I've tried it all, and nothing was helping with it. It wouldn't even make the swelling go down. So, um, we're going to flash forward again, because it's, it's just, it's, Four years, right now, where we're at right now, it's been four years since this began, give or take, I don't know, a couple months. Um, it's been roughly four years since all of this began on my foot, and during that time, there's been so many, so many doubts towards God's goodness, and so much, so many nights of like sitting there and like praying, God, I need you to heal this. What the heck? Like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll do this. I, I need you to heal this in the morning. So like when I wake up, I'm gonna trust you. And then I would have other people pray over it and I'd be like, and this is recent. Like I'm talking like four months ago, I tried this again. I was like, a, a guy that I know that's like, he, he's blessed with healing. I had him pray over it and I went to bed and I was like, this is it. Like when I wake up, Jesus, it's gonna be healed. And I woke up and I was like, I feel great. Dang it. Um, and it just, it was still there. It, it was, so, um, and some of you guys saw it before, uh, before I had everything done on my toe. Some of you guys saw what it looked like, and it was bad. Like, every footstep hurt, and like, when you look at it, you're like, oh, whoa, that's, have, have you tried this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I know. So let, let it all out, let it all out, let's go. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it got really bad, and all this doubt started to come up, because I was like, if you're good, then why aren't you healing me? Like, I, there's a problem. Like, I'm, I'm afraid that I might not have a toe or I might not have a foot. And if, if you're good, then why aren't you healing this? And I, I had these doubts going on in my head and I had these frustrations. Well, we're going to jump forward to about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Um, and all, the, all that stuff had continued. It was just like a, a pattern, a daily pattern of praying not having any anything, too scared. I, I didn't even mention this part. Um, I didn't have enough money to go back to the doctor, and my insurance had ruled that the problem was taken care of, but I hadn't done well on my part to take care of it, and so it, it was on me if I was gonna go back, and they weren't gonna cover the cost for the same surgery. So I, I didn't have the funds to pay for it myself, and I was too afraid to even try if I had the funds. Um, so, yeah, so there, there was just all this stuff. So we're going to jump forward to a month and a half ago, um, 2019. Um, we're sitting in the office, and um, we just decided to do freedom prayer over it and see, um, for so, some of you guys know, I talk about freedom prayer a lot. Um, and we decided to do freedom prayer over it and just try and find out, like, what are, what are some, some false false beliefs that I have towards God. And um, the biggest one that came up was I didn't believe that God wanted to heal me. And I, like, that, that's a huge thing because we just listened to Dave telling us, like, God is good and God wants to do good for us. And here I am praying to somebody that I don't believe wants to be good. I, I, I didn't know who I was praying to. And when I admitted it out loud, 
there was this like moment, this like clicking moment for me that it was like, oh, like that doesn't make sense. I, like there, so, something in me started to change. Something in my brain started to change about the way that I thought of God. And I started thinking like, well, how? Like, it, like you, you, wanna, you wanna heal me, you wanna do good, and I, I'll accept that, but how? How do, you wanna, how do you wanna do good? And the next Thursday was the Thursday that um, Joey spoke about generous living. And at the end of, the, at the end of his sermon, he, uh, he shared with us uh, just like a list of uh, some people and their needs, and he said that one guy needs surgery, that was me. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, um, I, I'll say this again. I don't know who gave, but like I, I just want to say like thank you all so much. You guys, you guys gave enough that all of the charges were covered, and there was like there, there was more. You gave more than enough to to take care of this, and um, Jesus spoke to me while this was happening. And he said, through these years that you've been praying, like, I'm here. I've, been, I've always been here. And now not only am I healing you, but I'm healing you of your fear of the medicine, of the medical world. And, I get, and now he's using me right now in this moment to show you guys an example of what this was like. And the miracle, the miracle of all this. Get this, guys. So the doctor did a couple of scans over a couple of days of my toe, and he took some samples he said at the rate that the infection was spreading, after, after four years, my whole foot should be gone. They should have had to remove the whole thing. But he said, it, at the rate it's, it was moving right then in that moment, he said it looked like until about a week before, which was when everything began, when, when we had that freedom prayer, up until like right around that time, it looked like the infection was just in stasis. It wasn't growing, it wasn't dying, it wasn't doing anything. And I, I, I got this image of Jesus was just like, and unpause, now we're ready to go. All right, let's do this thing. And like, like that's the only thing that I can figure out because how else do you explain an infection spreading super fast that didn't spread super fast, didn't spread at all? So I, like it blew my mind and it, it's this huge miracle of like, wow, like I shouldn't have a foot right now. Thank you, Jesus, that I still have a foot right now. And there was this moment of like tenderness between us where Jesus was just like, I want good for you. I am good and I want good for you and I always want good for you. But sometimes you gotta remember, it's my timing that matters. It's not your timing. And there was that moment between us. So that, that's, that's my story about what happened. Sorry, I think I went like way over what I was supposed to, but um, yeah, I, wait, 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 wait. I wanna say again one more time, like thank you all so, so much. Like clap for each other. I, I was just on the receiving end of this. You guys, through you, Jesus carried out a miracle. Hey, stay here. Dave, come on up really quick. Um, so did you all catch that? Did you, did you catch what happened? People in this community gave. They heard of a need. They gave. And then a miracle happened through your giving. His foot, his foot, the doctor said, I, I don't understand. Your foot should be gone by the rate that the infection is moving. It's gotten into your bone. And the fact that it's not gone, it means that God pushed push pause on the infection spreading. Like, oh my gosh. And you, as a community, your giving was a part of that. Like, how cool is it when we come together and we see needs amongst each other and we say, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I be a part of it? You see, God's goodness is revealed through him, but it's also revealed through one another. We get to see God's goodness in the midst of one another. And here's a story. Dave was talking about his son. Um, and sometimes God heals quickly. And then we have a story where sometimes it takes four years. Dave and I had a, a buddy that went to, we went to high school with, and actually there's a video, and, and we'll, we'll put it on the Facebook page. Uh, we were going to show it tonight, but I think we've gone over. So uh, we're, um, we'll put it on the Facebook page. But a buddy who uh, 
was diagnosed with cancer. And he's diagnosed with cancer and got just a community of people to start praying, start praying. And uh, pretty shortly after that, he was, he was healed from his cancer. And it was just this huge, beautiful moment. And he said, should we show it? Let's show it. We're running out of time. But hey, let's show it because it's better than me talking it. Let's show it. Hi, Can you my name is Zach Smith and I am 33 years old. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Mandy, for 11 years. We have three children, Lizzie, Jake, and Luke. And this is my story. I met Jesus when I was five years old. I grew up as a son of missionary parents in Ecuador, where I lived for 15 years. I went to college in Arizona, where I met my wife. For the next 10 years, we traveled around while I worked in the information technology field. We served in our local church, and I attended seminary. I often thought about working in full-time ministry, but no opportunities seemed right. I was told about a job here at New Spring Church helping with information technology. It was perfect, an IT job at an amazing church. I took the job and started working in October of 2008. For several months, life was very good and we were very happy. In May of 2009, at age 32, I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Immediately, I had surgery to remove a foot and a half of my large intestine and a lemon-sized tumor. I was told that cancer had spread to my spleen and to my liver. Chemotherapy was on the horizon. This was all a very sudden shock to me. I had always been very healthy, and I found myself very confused. Why did I have cancer? Had I done something wrong to cause it? Was this a result of many years of sinful living in my past? I was working at a church and serving God. Where did I go wrong? But thankfully, the confusion quickly turned to hope. I knew that God had a plan for my life. I did not understand why I had cancer, but I knew that God was in charge. For three months, I underwent a horrible chemo regimen. Afterwards, I had a scan done, and the results were great. There was no cancer found in my body. We celebrated God's healing and God's faithfulness. And the next few weeks of my life were some of the best as I celebrated being cancer-free. But another scan one month later showed that the cancer had reappeared, this time in my abdominal cavity. I was devastated. Why was it back? Everything was just starting to make sense, but the reoccurrence of cancer caused even greater confusion. I resumed chemotherapy and did more tests. The cancer is now growing and getting worse. Unfortunately, the chemo drugs are no longer effective in my abdomen, and surgery is not an option due to the degraded state of my liver. Medically speaking, there is nothing more for me, and medically speaking, I probably will not live to 2011. The Bible says in Matthew 7:11 that God gives good things to those who ask. God cannot give me a bad gift, and it is through that lens that I can say that cancer is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I am a better husband and a better dad, a better boss and a better employee, a better friend and a better follower of Jesus. And through cancer, God has shown me some amazing things about himself. Those are indeed great gifts. I still have questions about cancer, why it went away and why it came back. I do not understand, but I know that God is in charge. I am praying for God to heal me. That is my desire. I want to walk my daughter Lizzie down the aisle. I want to watch my sons, Jake and Luke, become men. I want to grow old with Mandy, and I want to live my life with my friends here at work. But I may not be able to work for very much longer, and I may have just celebrated my last Christmas with my family. I do know. If God chooses to heal me, then God is God and God is good. If God chooses not to heal me and allows me to die, God is still God and God is still good. To God be the glory. Uh, 
so that, that was a guy that Dave and I got to go to, we, we were in high school together, and uh, it wasn't that much longer that he actually passed away. Um, he never got to walk his daughter down the aisle. He didn't get to see his kids grow up. Um, and so tonight we got to hear a story of, of God healing quickly. Uh, we got to hear a story of uh, God healing after years. And then we got to hear a story where, where it wasn't the healing that we hoped for. But like he said, God is God, and God is still good. And we don't know, I don't know where all of you are at in your life. I don't know what you're praying towards, what you're asking for, but God is God, and God is still good. And when Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, ask, seek, and knock, he's asking us to do it, yes, individually, but it's also as, as a community, to pray for one another, as, as Dave was saying. But here's the thing. So often we think it's about the praying, ask, seek, and knocking. But Jesus starts with, remember who the Father is. The Father is good. May we remember that the one we pray to is good. The one we seek after is good. The one we run after is good. Whether the results turn the way that we hope for. God is God. And God is good. And so tonight, um, uh, we got to hear these stories, and uh, my encouragement is we have prayer partners, right? And uh, the prayer partners, when we're done, um, you don't have to go there quite yet, prayer partners, um, but when we're done with the night, uh, we're going to have uh, just opportunity for prayer, okay? And so um, we're, we're not going to do worship uh, now, we're going we're gonna to enter into something else, um, but tonight, I want to encourage you to find a prayer partner and just say, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. And I just, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for Jesus to, to enter in. And God, remind me that you are good, even, even if it doesn't turn out the way that I expect it to. Um, so uh, with that said, uh, one, one more thing, and then, and then we'll do some announcements. Um, give it up for Dave and Cameron for sharing their story. Again, I'm just, I'm so pumped that when 